You are listening to the Not Your Average Autism Mom podcast, the number one podcast for moms just like you raising an autistic child. How are moms like us who didn't plan for this unique parenting journey embracing life just as it is right now instead of staying stuck in wishing and hoping and dreaming it was different? That is the question. And if you haven't taken our free course yet, Unburdened, Finding Balance, Living Alongside Autism, make sure you click the link in the show notes. It's www.notyouraverageautismmom.com forward slash free course and get registered. My name is Shannon Urquiola and I have been traveling this journey for over two decades. I have been where you are. And in this free course, I teach you things that I learned along the way that changed my life. And I live this autism parenting journey day in and day out, just like you. All right, stay with me and let's get on to this week's episode. Episode 127, Seeing the Forest Through the Trees. Well, hello there, my friends. Thank you for coming to spend a little time with me today. I know your time is limited and I know there are a million other things that you could be doing and podcasts that you could choose to be listening to. And I want you to know, I really do appreciate you choosing to be here with me. So thank you for that. And as always, my goal for every podcast is that you learn something, even just one thing that maybe you didn't know or didn't understand that will help make your autism parenting journey a little easier. So let me ask you this. Does your child struggle to pay attention? Do they have challenges with multi-step directions? Do they lose track of what they're supposed to do or have difficulty applying what they know in different settings? Maybe they appear distracted like they're daydreaming or they struggle to follow along with their peers in a conversation. If any of those things sound familiar, today's episode may just be enlightening for you, or I hope it is anyways. Now, y'all know if you've been listening to me for any amount of time, I talk in pretty practical and easy to understand terms, and I don't like getting all, you know, quote, autism technical here on the podcast. But today, while I'm going to be talking about our kids' challenges to see the forest through the trees... It goes back to something that our members will tell you I totally geek out on, and that is learning and understanding how our brain works. So just stay with me because while I'm going to share some brain stuff with you, I am going to break that all down in my typical, easy, practical way for you to really get what I'm talking about. So don't give up on me if you could care less how the brain works. It's just a short part of the whole story. So... One of the brain regions that is said to be affected most by autism is the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that we refer to as the thinking and reasoning part of our brain. And for our members who are familiar with me and the coaching that I do inside our membership, I talk to them a lot about accessing and utilizing their prefrontal cortex rather than just relying on the habit part of the brain. And while I do love talking about those things, today I'm specifically focusing on our children and understanding working memory, which, wouldn't you know, the prefrontal cortex is home to our working memory. So 
to sum it up, for many of our children, their prefrontal cortex, which is home to our working memory, is one of the brain regions said to be the most impacted by autism. In the simplest form, working memory allows us to maintain our train of thought. It's just a critical component necessary for learning, and it refers to the ability to hold and manipulate information mentally over very short periods of time. For working memory, I want you to think of it like the RAM or memory in a computer. The more you have, the faster you can process information. Working memory is the system in our brain that we use to keep information immediately available to us. So when we use our working memory, let's say we'd use it to think about what we have to do, right? You know, those to-do lists that we keep in our head and we don't write down. It helps us keep track of what we are supposed to do next. Now, when you become an old mom like me, you start to trust in the fact that actual written lists work best because trust me, my working memory is not nearly as competent as it once was. I am sure of that. But here's the thing. Working memory affects how we learn and having a poor working memory makes everything more difficult. Learning to read, following verbal directions, keeping up with back and forth conversations, what happens is that there is too much for them to juggle and they lose track of what they're supposed to do or supposed to be paying attention to. And these failures don't mean that a child is just disobedient or disrespectful, and they don't mean that they are not intelligent. And please hear me when I say this, a deficit in working memory does not equate to overall intelligence. Many people often make these mistaken assumptions simply because they don't really understand what working memory is and how it functions. Working memory helps us stay focused when there are distractions, which if you haven't picked up on the name of the episode, Seeing the Forest Through the Trees, it's relevant because for our kids, Seeing the big picture is often difficult because their details are often different than ours or that of their typical peers. Working memory is what we need when we must go beyond just memorization and do something with the information that we have. So some of the everyday tasks that you could think about that require working memory would be you know, listening to, remembering, and follow directions that contain multiple steps. So you might ask them to do three things before they leave for school and they only do one or two because they just couldn't retain all three tasks while actually completing the first one or the second one. Or remembering a question long enough to think about it and formulate an answer. And I will say that one of the ways I have seen this play out over the years is that our kids are often deemed as, you know, they're not trying hard enough or they're just being lazy. And sometimes that just isn't the case. You know, think about um, following a recipe when you're no longer looking at the recipe, right? That requires working memory 
or engaging in, you know, math in your head, like 19 plus 20, which most of us can quickly process in our head to come up with the answer of 39. But we have to hold that in our working memory. And children, especially young children, have smaller working memory capacities than adults do. Think about how easily, you know, young kids are distracted, right? And some kids struggle more than others. And here is something that I found to be important as it relates to children versus adults when it comes to working memory. As adults, we have through time and experiences, acquired information and knowledge that we often combine with our working memory, which allows us to not only process, you know, more complex stories when we read, but also we access that background knowledge that most of us just take for granted. They actually did studies where they virtually eliminate the possibility of any prior knowledge. And what they found was that working memory performance in adults was sometimes reduced to what they observe in children when there's no prior knowledge. Isn't that interesting? So as an example, I want you for a minute, imagine that I briefly flashed you know, a sequence of 12 random letters at you and then asked you to repeat them back to me. You might find that very difficult, maybe even impossible. So let's just do this. P-H-D-I-E-P-F-B-I-B-I-P. Yeah, I don't know about you, but for me, that would be a big fail. But now I want you to think about this. I am going to, instead of giving you random letters together, I'm going to break them down into four, into a series of just four different acronyms. PHD, IEP, FBI, BIP. You see the difference? Do you see how that works? your underlying working memory capacity has not expanded, but your performance has. Because your prior knowledge of things like PhD, which most of us know is a doctor of philosophy, or an IEP, we know in our world, that is individual education plan. And what happens is that prior knowledge helps you compress all the letters given into, you know, smaller, more meaningful chunks. So the chunks might contain three letters each, but your working memory no longer needs to keep track of all 12 letters. Instead, you're likely going to remember each chunk individually and then quickly retrieve information from your long-term memory to reel off the letters in the correct sequence. So background knowledge helps us utilize our working memory, which tells us that time and experience both can help improve our children's working memory too. Study skills are another thing that can also be a real challenge. Working memory allows us to keep track of priorities and helps us filter out that those external or internal distractions that can keep us blocked from what we're supposed to be doing. So when our children are easily distracted, 
they might stop paying attention when someone is talking, when they've lost track of the conversation, which is really just their subconscious coping mechanism. Although to someone who doesn't understand, it just seems rude. And another thing is when you are overly tired, anxious, stressed, and I mean any of us, even those with strong working memories can experience uh, challenges with working memory. And there have actually been studies on lack of sleep as it relates to working memory. And those studies show that one night of sleep deprivation results in immediate impairment in working memory. Imagine that, right? I mean, many, if not most of our children struggle to get consistent sleep. And while there are professionals who claim that the autism brain actually may require less sleep, I certainly can't imagine that lack of would not still impact their working memory. You know, constantly struggling to process information can be mentally exhausting. And so instead of continuing to struggle to understand everything in the classroom, they might just zone out. And honestly, they're doing it to protect themselves from that sense of overwhelm. So let's talk about how a weak working memory negatively impacts learning. A weak working memory can slow phonological learning at all levels. So if you think about a, like a rhyming exercise that we would do for young children, like tell me which words rhyme with fox, truck, dog, box. Well, to identify the two rhyming words, they have to hold and then compare each of the words in working memory. Fox, truck, fox, dog, fox, box. So see how working memory is essential for learning. And there are many things that us as parents can do to support learning and growth in our kids who have weak working memories. And I'm going to give you some guidance on that in just a minute. Here's what's important to understand, though, when it comes to our children on the spectrum. Children with autism are often easily overwhelmed by just everyday experiences. And unlike their typical peers, they aren't able to automatically notice and focus on what's important or relevant in any given situation, right? You might have heard me say that sometimes it is very difficult to watch something on TV with Jordan because while we are focused on the story, like the homeless encampments in Portland, he is asking if the flowers planted next to the tent are the same flowers that our friends Tony and Shannon had in their drinks at their wedding 10 years ago. So see, that is his inability to focus on what is relevant. And trust me, he does this in a lot of so many different situations. Many of our children are concrete thinkers, right? And they're focused on facts. And therefore, that is often what they gravitate to. So let's talk about what you can do at home and some things that you might want to take to your IEP table to share with your child's education team that will help your child if they seem to struggle with working memory. 
I think the most important one is making clear rules about what to do when, because doing this helps make those hidden rules of social interaction and everyday activities just more visible and structured and easy for them to follow. So things like when someone comes to the door, say hello. When someone is walking into a building behind you, you hold the door open for them. When someone allows you to go in front of them, you say thank you. When someone gives you a gift, you thank them. And you know, I always recommend the positive approach of telling them what to do and not what not to do. It's also a good idea, and you probably know, but I'm a big proponent of visual aids. So whether that is utilizing social stories, charts, graphs, lists, and keeping those there for your child to look at whenever they want. Another good one is using if-then statements in real-life teachable moments because that can help your child understand what's going on around them, like how other people are feeling. So you might say something like, if grandma is smiling, then she might be happy. Or if Landon is crying, then he is probably sad. Or when you want them to do something, right? Things like, if you put your shoes on, then you can go outside. Or if you eat dinner, then later we can get ice cream. And listen, in today's world, there are also so many apps out there that can help with working memory. Now, Goalie is one that I am familiar with and have seen used very successfully. It's designed to help working memory in children with autism. And I've included the link to Goalie in the show notes in case you want more information on that specific one. You can go over and check that out. The other thing you can do is break down tasks into simple steps, right? Short, simple instructions. Always make sure they've mastered that first step before going on to the next one. After you tell them something, encourage them to repeat it back to you so that you, you know, you're making sure that they know and understand what you're expecting. And I don't know about y'all, but something I learned years ago, and I use it often, is I always find myself saying, so what I hear you saying is, and then I repeat it back to them. And I don't know, maybe that's just my way of utilizing my own working memory. The other thing is slow your pace. Allow them the time to process and complete the activity. Remember, most of our kiddos don't process the same way we do or at the same pace. The other thing you want to do is reduce background noises, right? And distractions. When you do this, you are lessening the amount of information they have to process, which is super helpful to them. Always encourage them to ask questions without feeling like they are less than. When you encourage asking questions from a young age, my hope is that there won't be such a negative stigma with asking questions when they are feeling confused, they don't understand, or they're feeling lost. And lastly, for visual learners, it can be really helpful to encourage them to visualize what they're hearing. Now, real quick, before I close, I know I've already talked way too much today, but I want to give you some fun things that you can do that will help them grow their working memory. Matching games. 
great for visual memory. You know, I've told you before, we played tons of license plate games in our days. And one of the things that you can do is not only reading the license plates, but practice saying it backwards. (laughs) Get your child to teach you something they learned. Have them explain and teach you how to do it. Because see, by explaining it to you, that actually helps them make sense of what they learned and file it away in their memory. Play card games. This can support working memory through both remembering how to play the game, right? What the rules are and remembering which cards they have in their hand, which ones they've played. You know, think things like Uno, Go Fish, Crazy Eights. Those are all great ideas. The other thing is give them information in several ways. If they're presented with opportunities to process the information in different ways, it will not only help with their working memory, but also in transferring that new information into their long-term memory. So you can write it, you can say it, you can show them how to do it. You can use social stories with pictures and words. Simon says, where you're giving them more than one thing to do at a time and see if they can remember them all. Or you might want to create obstacle courses, right? To get to something fun at the end. So they have to go out the door, down the steps, behind the trees, you know, whatever, you get it. The point is for them to remember the instructions to get through the obstacle course. And Lastly, I think one of the best ways to help kids remember things is by creating routines, whether that's morning routines, after school routines, bedtime routines. What happens is when they begin to follow routines, those behaviors become habits. Just let me put a warning sign in here. Provide flexibility to routines. So early on, We want to help them be flexible when it comes to routines, because if you don't, that can be very difficult down the road. So that's just my side note warning there. And, you know, the other thing I want to say is there are limits to how much they can process without taking a break. So it's important to allow them downtime to recharge their batteries. They are no different from us. So having their schedule booked from sunup to sundown with learning just isn't recommended. Working memory is like a muscle. It takes time, consistency, and practice to make it stronger. And all children have different strengths and ways of learning. So try new things to find what works for your child. What works well for one child may not work well for yours and vice versa. Be patient. Improving working memory takes time. Don't expect results overnight. And make sure that you celebrate your child's small wins because all that's going to do is keep them motivated to keep going. And if you think your child struggles with working memory, I definitely recommend that you speak to a licensed speech and language pathologist about your concerns and discuss options for evaluations or interventions. All right, my friends, I am sorry that I went a little longer than normal today, but there was a lot to wrap up in this episode. So I hope, as always, it has been helpful. And until next week, remember, above all, you, mama, are doing amazing at this mom thing. Hey, so if you're loving what you're learning on the podcast, I want to ask you to take a minute 
and write a review. That's how we reach more moms just like us. And that is how you can pay it forward to help another mom who might be struggling right now. I also want to invite you to check out our Not Your Average Autism Mom membership. That's where we dive deeper into all the topics we discuss on the podcast and where you can get individual help and learn coaching tools that will make your life better every day. When you become Not Your Average Autism Mom, you take on an identity with an incredible community of women across the globe, all raising autistic children, who all show up to show the world they are Not Your Average Autism Mom. It's my favorite place to be, so head on over to the website, www.notyouraverageautismmom.com, to find out all the details. And listen, if we're not open for new members right now, make sure you join the waitlist so you're the first to know when we open. We hope you do. We would love to work with you inside.